Well, friends, one of my favorite things is talking to authors about their books. First of all, I love books, and if you came to my home, you would know that right away. There are bookshelves everywhere, and I probably have more books than I can ever read in a lifetime. But that doesn't stop me from loving books. But even more than that, I love to hear the heart of the author. I love why the author wrote those words. I know the time and the dedication that goes into writing a book. And this following episode is a recording that I did with a friend of mine, an author friend of mine, about their book. And we're going to be sharing the what brought them to this point, their writing career, but mostly hear their heart. What is the message that they want to get through to the reader? With all the time, with all the energy, with all the effort, really what is the main purpose? So I hope that you will enjoy this episode. You can also go over to my YouTube channel, just search for Trisha Goyer, and you can find the video recording of our interview. So friend, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, readers. I am so excited to be here with my friend, Mary DeMuth, who is just one of my sweetest, dearest. I love her so much. So welcome, Mary. Hey, it's so great to see your face and to hear your bird in the background. And to hear the bird, Charlie the bird. I mean, my (laughs) teen daughters, two of the girls share this room my husband's sick in bed so I can't record in there so we have Charlie <laughs> the cockatiel is here <laughs> today except he's gonna he's gonna give his input on your book too I think good ah, so for those who aren't familiar with you why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself yeah, so I am like Trisha. I've written a lot of books, uh, both nonfiction and fiction. I um, am a podcaster like Trisha. So we're basically twins. Um, I don't have as many children as Trisha. So she has or beat me on that one. Like or no birds. birds I've got a cat and a dog. <laughs> I've never heard them chirp this much. They like <laughs> And um, let's see, what else am I? An artist. And I am, uh, my main job is I am a literary agent. And so I acquire uh, mostly nonfiction and placed it with publishers and was just on a publishing call just a little bit ago. So that's my spiel. <laughs> all the things, all the things. Okay. We're going to be talking about this book, Love, Pray, Listen, Parenting Your Wayward Adult Kids with Joy. Oh my gosh, Mary, like I needed this book so much. Uh, We've had conversations about this before and parenting and 
we want to do all the right things and our kids are going to turn out a certain way, which I love all my kids. They're awesome. There's so many challenges once they become adults. <laughs> they have minds of their own. They have wills Darn of it. their own. And then you're like, okay, how can I even deal with, I mean, in each one of them, I have see six kids out of the house, four kids in the house. So all the conversations on all the different levels about all the different things and so overwhelming. Uh, but before I jump into all that, what is your heart behind the book? You know, I wrote the book because it's like you said, it is the book I needed to read and I couldn't find. Mm. There are books out there about launching your kids, definitely. Um, but there's not a lot about what if your kids make decisions as adults that it's hard for you and you're going yeah. through a difficult time about that. And so this really is filling that niche. And I kept running into parents um, that were having this issue and they felt super isolated, really ashamed and they weren't talking to each other. And so this book is a way for me to just start the conversation so that we can start talking to each other about the normalcy of adult kids making their own decisions, even if we don't like them. <laughs> their own decisions. Okay. So mind blown, like so many areas, I'll tell you the ones that really stood out to me, kindness. Like, are we just being kind to our kids? Because I think so many times we want to let them know the right things they need to be doing and just blowing my mind. Like we can still be kind. We can still be thoughtful towards them. Even if we're not agreeing mm -hmm. on everything. I mean, this should be such a, such a, just, you should know this. <laughs> that was like <laughs> a mind blowing thing. Like, okay, they're not living the way or different kids aren't living the way I think, mm -hmm. but I can still like go out to dinner with them and pick up something sweet for them and do these things for them. And I'm like, it doesn't always have to be conflict all the time, even yeah. if they're not making the right choices. That was a really good one. And so many more, but tell us, because you based it off a certain scripture that is often used for like weddings and marriages and applying it to our kids makes so much sense. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I did go through the love is patient, love is kind narrative from first Corinthians 13. And you're right. It's usually said at weddings, but when Paul wrote it, he wasn't thinking of weddings. He was thinking about the very naughty for <laughs> Corinthian church who were having all sorts of terrible relational yeah. problems and sexual sin and all sorts of things. So what better scripture to unpack and to exegete and look at the Greek than that, because I think our families are also just like the Corinthian church. We've mm -hmm. got lots of interesting things going on, people making all sorts of sinful choices. And yet this is the narrative that Paul gives them about how to treat each other with love. Yeah. So good. And then you go through, so each chapter, chapter one, love is patient, love is kind, <laughs> love is not jealous, love is not boastful, which is the boastful one. One thing you said in there is, are you praying for your kids, adult kids, as much as you are talking about your adult kids to other people? I was like, <laughs> okay, this is, like, I'm seriously, I'm listening to another audiobook. I have the paperback too. I'm seriously going to keep this like on repeat in my car because I'm just like driving thinking this is exactly what I need right now. So good. Um, another thing that you, you said that really, really, I've been thinking about it a lot is think about when you were their age and mm. like what you thought and what you, uh, what was your opinion of certain topics and we need to give them like time to mature. And just because they're thinking certain things or believing certain things or going through certain things 
now doesn't mean like 20 years from now or 20 years from now, it's going to be like that. And I think of myself when I was a teenager, early 20s, like I thought I knew everything. I definitely was <laughs> a person teenagers. Like I was doing what I wanted. And that was just like so much hope for me now going, okay. <laughs> Like if I, if I wanted people to give grace to me as a teen, I could totally give grace to my kids. So all that to say, if you have a teenager or <laughs> adult child, like I even think even if your kids aren't launched yet, while they're mm-hmm. still home in their teen years, this is so, so good. Yeah. Thank so, you, Trisha. I appreciate yeah, that. I'm like, okay. Top book of the year right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so as you're like writing this, it's such a touchy thing because you're talking about your adult kids and, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're having conversations about our adult kids. So we don't want to be disrespectful, but did you have a challenge when you were writing it? Um, just like figuring out like how much to share, what to say. Um, you pull in other people's stories, which I know you changed the names on those too. Mm-hmm. So what was that process like to still be respectful but also to be have honest conversations with other parents. Yeah, that's a good question. And you know, when I did use my kids, uh, I got their permission mm-hmm. um, and showed them what was going to be in there. There were times where there's just some stories that are still in process that I had to kind of composite um, yeah. my own life. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, interviewing others uh, for the book as well and renaming them. Some people said you can use my name and that's fine. Yeah. Other people were like, yeah, you know, call me whatever. <laughs> and they, they gave themselves the name they always wanted, but they never got before. So yeah. <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I think that is important. Um, and I've read about my kids too. And there's some stories that are never probably going to be in a book. But the ones that are like, we're going to treat, even that treat those stories with respect and get permission to share yeah. those stories. And I think it's so important to continue to respect our kids and know that we can still like share and connect with other parents. But of course, we're going to love and respect our kids um, and caring for them in that. Yeah, so, just to dignify them. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of feedback are you getting from other parents? who are like reading the book and talking through um, the same type of topics. Yeah. A lot of people are coming away encouraged, which is really what I wanted. And I got a text from someone who didn't even know I wrote the book and they saw that it was releasing and they were like, I'm so ashamed. I can't talk about it with anyone. I'm, I'm going to buy this book And I hope that the outcome of that was that she didn't feel alone anymore because there are so many parents right now dealing with um, kids making decisions like changing their gender or their same sex attracted or uh, they're uh, deconstructing to oblivion like to atheism or to some other thing that is not Christianity. Um, and so there's just a lot of heartache out there and there's this evangelical guilt that we carry because we've been given this weird promise through parenting books that if you just do everything right, then when you, um, you know, when the kids come out on the other end of that correctly parented machine, they'll all be like little happy zombies of Christ followers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's not true, but we've been given this bill of goods. And so we think that if they don't turn out immediately, like we wanted them to, then we have failed somehow. Now, first of all, that doesn't take the long view that 10 years from now, they could be following the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but it also 
uh, puts way too much responsibility on us. We do our best. And uh, if we've done something wrong, we apologize. There's always a chance to apologize. But God in the Garden of Eden had two adult wayward kids, and he yeah. was the very perfect parent in the whole wide world. And so if a perfect parent can have wayward kids, then an imperfect parent is bound to have wayward kids. Yeah, and it's so good. And I think um, like, like they're still in process. Like we do not know yeah. what's going to happen in the future. And then also even kids that are following God, um, you, you brought up like you might have different political opinions. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that kind of shocked me too. I'm like, wait. Like you're a Christian, you're supposed to believe in this exactly like I believe. And they <laughs> often don't. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I also love is just stuff conversations like, tell me why you think that way or what are your thoughts on this? And I was thinking through some of the kind of differences that I have with some of my adult kids who are Christians. And I realized like they really are speaking out of compassion. Like they're having mm -hmm. compassion. And it just made me like my heart more tender instead of feeling like, there's these things that are we're opposing and have opposition and just like have conversations and ask them their thoughts and don't feel like it's an opposition, but a chance to like really listen and, and listen to their hearts and have good conversations. And maybe there's things that I need to like not be so firm about, but be more gentle in my mm -hmm. the way I talk, the way I act. It's been so good. Lots of thinking through all the things <laughs> in the book. So when you were writing this, was there one chapter that really like the light bulb came on or really stood out to you as you were working on it? I think it's about not being jealous. Mm -hmm. And I, th one of the things that the Lord has showed me that if we have these expectations of how our family is supposed to turn out, and we had this idyllic view that we were going to have some sort of compound when we were older and all the kids were going to live on the compound. We see our grandkids every day and, you know, everyone was going to love each other and Thanksgiving was going to be awesome. But, <laughs> and when we have that, or we look at other people and we perceive them to have that dream that we had, we get very upset, but that, that causes those expectations block us from seeing the action of God in their lives and in our lives on a micro scale, because we're so bound up by the one thing that we're looking at, the big old thing that we don't right. have, right. that we can't see the little things that God is doing. And so the Lord's been encouraging me just to let go of that expectation and watch for him now in the mundane and in the small places, because that's really where he works. Yeah. And I think so many times, like when we're like jealous, uh, we can be jealous of other families and like thinking mm -hmm. they have it all together or their kids don't have any problems, which then when you really get to know them, you realize like things aren't always the <laughs> same. Like all of us have struggles because we're all sinful humans, um, adults and kids and, you know, young adult kids and younger kids, like we're all in this path together, but also even jealous of um, like, you, you talked about jealous of adult kids like wow you have this amazing job and you're able to whatever go on these vacations and like I've worked my whole life and I don't yeah <laughs> all my kids all my kids make more than me and I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> in the world is that? my is daughter, that my daughter lives in Europe uh and I'm like we're at the main square and I'm like 
look at this and look at this plaque and look at this gargoyles and she's like i i really i'm just walking into the store i don't even look at this stuff all the time like i don't i don't even pay attention i'm like how could you not pay attention to see those gargoyles on this big door this door is here from the 15th century and she's like yeah whatever it's like meaningless to her and she's living there i mean just all those sorts of things um it was just so good to have just to go through all those you know patients and kindness and gentle I mean all the things and go through them and then just really think about applying them in our lives to our parenting and um you know if we are in conflict with some of our kids if we're gonna take time to be kind and to be gentle and to reach out in those types of ways instead of always just focusing on whatever that big conflict or the big issue is the relationship's gonna be so much better and then you know, it doesn't have to be just because we may disagree or they're making choices we don't agree with. It doesn't have to be like, that's the only thing about our relationship. There can be so many more aspects. And so I just love it. I just love this book so much. I think you did a fantastic job with it. Well, you know, there, you know this because you're an author, but every time I release a book, there's some sort of crazy spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. usually around the topic of the book. And that happened again. I was like, oh, great. I'm not writing any more books. I'm tired of <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual warfare. I can write the books, but just not release them. Um, but this happened and uh, with the release of this book and one of my kids who's going through a very hard time right now, I was their first call um, mm -hmm. in a breakdown. And it really reaffirmed to me that I was on the right track with the message of this book, because even though we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, me being that first call, the first person to hear them cry was so important to me. And it showed that we had, my husband and I have worked very hard on creating that relationship and that when things got fell apart, we would be their first call. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, parents also get ghosted and kids, yeah. uh, parents also ghost kids. And there, uh, as you know, there are kids that have a lot of trauma and there's all sorts of crazy things that can happen. So there's no guarantee of relationship. Um, but I was grateful that at least in this one instance, um, the relationship was preserved enough that we could have a good conversation. Yeah, so good. And that you have, you're, you know, even if they're making choices that you don't agree with, you have that foundation of that relationship that, like you said, when things do fall apart, which every one of us in all of our lives, there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to be hard. And that if we can be those, those parents that can be there and support them. And I'll, I'll just share my like kind of praise thing going through this. Um, you know, when kids are making choices, I tend to like, freeze up and like, I don't know, I can't, I don't know. It's just like the small talk doesn't seem important because there's this big issue that's there. And so I've been working more like, hey, what did you make for dinner tonight? And reaching out to them just on little stuff, like everyday stuff. And one of my kids called me last night and she looped in another one of the kids and they just wanted to talk with me because I've been making more of an effort since I've been reading mm -hmm. your book, just like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Or what did you make for dinner? Or just those little things and we talked for like 45 minutes three-way call just about random stuff and I'm like okay this is exactly again the book that I needed to remind me of the importance of the relationship um even if there's other bigger issues that we want to focus on so thank you
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I went to bed last night. I'm like, this was a really good day. And I realized <laughs> because like, I'm just being kinder to everybody <laughs> in my life. All my kids. So thank you, Mama. Well, I think too, we move from that high control as a parent of, you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds and the, and we move away from high control, but it's a very hard switch when they mm -hmm. hit 18 and above. And so we, when they were younger, we did take those, you know, actions very seriously because it was up to us to correct and to yeah. train. Um, but now they have to learn that and we're different parents than our parents were. So when I got dropped off at college, that was it. I had nowhere else to go. If, if my life fell apart, I had to figure it out. Um, and, but today's parents are not like that. We want to still have a relationship with our kids and rightfully so. And so in order to do that, we have to be kind and listen and create relationship and be interested. And, you know, the Lord said to me, you know, let's say your worst you know, fear came true about your adult kids and, you know, everyone can fill in the blank what that would be. Mm -hmm. Jesus is still a friend of sinners, which means he's a friend of me. And if I am a Jesus follower, then I am a friend of sinners, meaning I will be a friend with my adult child, no matter what choices they make. And yeah. it might break my heart and I might not like it. And those choices may embarrass me, but I still have the choice to love and I can still pour in to my kids. Yeah. When I was praying for my kids just a couple of weeks ago, um, I just let God speak to, I come for the sick. I come mm. for those who need help and need healing and need hope. And it was like, Oh yeah. Like we just, <laughs> we, we can do that too. Like as Jesus through us, we're, we're just there to help people and, and bring hope and bring healing to our adult kids. Um, and I think it just makes a big difference. We're just switching our mindset. I was just reading with our, um, my girls still at home, we were doing our morning devotions and it was all talking about how all, everything starts with your mind, like, um, renew mm. your mind is what the scripture that we were on. And I'm like, what does that mean? And it's like thinking differently. So I think this mm. is, this book is definitely one that's been renewing my mind and <laughs> based on scripture and helping me think differently on so many things. Um, okay. So Janet McHenry said, in her in the comment here it says the, the week my book prayer changes teens how to parent from your knees came out one of our post-college kids got a dui he almost kills his best friend in a rollover and we found oh. out when his bail bondsman called us the evening of july 4th now many years later he's a successful businessman and a great dad and husband yeah so it's, it's when when our books releases and we're talking about family things it's like all the family things come up. Janet, thank you for sharing that. And I love how Janet says now, many years later, he's a successful businessman and a great dad and husband. So I think so many times we do get just so focused on the moment, like, and, you know, we're Christian parents and we're raising kids to be a certain way. And in the moment, it seemed like, like, this is how it's always going to be, but God has plans and God's working and he's working on our kids. And um, we can, we can continue to pray and continue to hope um, that things will change. It's true. And, you know, to be honest, there are times where it, even this year where I literally, there was one instance where the overwhelm, overwhelming grief came over me and I, I fell on the Christian, on the Christian floor, on the kitchen floor, I guess it was a Christian floor too, but I just got onto the floor. I couldn't get any higher. I had to be as low as I could go and just weep and weep and weep before the Lord. And, um, it was a beautiful place to be that low place. 
Um, so I don't want to, I don't want parents to think, well, it's going to be easy if you just have a better mindset, you yeah. will still need to grieve. You will still have those feelings, but do grieve them and do, sh do share them in a way that, uh, with someone who loves to pray, not in a gossipy way, but in a healthy, I need prayer kind of way. Yeah. And we still, I mean, it's still painful to see the result of poor choices. Um, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, I wish you didn't have to go through that. Like, I wish you just make a different choice because the outcome is going to be so much better. And so that just, it just breaks my heart to realize like the choices we're making are leading to really, really hard things that they're facing. Um, but, and we can agree with them and we, but know that again, we can still love them in the middle of that and let them know that we love them, even though it's really hard. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, we're there for you. And I think other parents are there for you. And I think a lot of us, if we can let go of our pride mm -hmm. and be willing to say this is hard and this is going on, then we won't be, feel so alone when we're in this battle by ourselves. Yeah. And it seems like, I don't know, it's, it's like every family has kids that are going through hard stuff or mm -hmm. making hard choices. Um, I'm trying to think of any family right now. And I think when we do take that time to reach out to people and check on them and how are you doing instead of trying to just isolate ourselves and, um, you know, feel like I'm the only one going through this, it does bring a community that we can get together and we can pray. And I have really good friends that, um, I will text and I've texted you before, Mary, like, hey, can you pray right now? This yeah. is a really hard thing we're going through. Um, I had once I was dealing with an adult kid and some very hard decisions she was making. And I texted a friend and and I, I said, uh, can you please pray? And I told her a little bit of the issue. And she's like, do you need me to come over and sit with you? I'm like, no, no, it's okay. And I went in bed and like comfort her over my head, crying in bed and you know, all this stuff. 10 minutes later, my bedroom door opens and she walks in. She's a local friend. And I'm like, I told you I'm fine. She's like, obviously you're not fine. <laughs> and in the moment, I thought, like, I don't want her to see this, like me in bed mm -hmm. crying. But it was like her just, she just came and sat at the end of the bed. And we just talked. And we talked for probably an hour. And finally, she's like, can we move somewhere where I can have a back to sit against? Because my back's hurting. Because she was just sitting at the end of my bed. I'm yeah. like, Okay, I'm feeling better now. We can move into the living room. But it was <laughs> such a cool thing that, like, she knew I wasn't okay, and she was able to come over and just sit there and talk and go through that. Yeah. Uh, Janet yeah. said uh, in the comments, looking back, I think God allowed that timing to humble me for the book convention week rather than a proud attitude on my new book baby. Our kids walk is our walk, too. God is working on us, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we can be so prideful um, of thinking, well, we did everything right. <laughs> and if we have kids that are doing exactly what we, what they should be doing, which uh, never is. I mean, no child is going to do everything perfectly. And we shouldn't expect that. We should expect them to go through hard things. And I think, I think you're right. And you talked about that in one of the early chapters about we went through these parenting classes that promised certain things. And so we had these expectations which are completely unrealistic. Um, we should never have had those expectations if we follow this and do these things and do morning devotions and or homeschool our kids or whatever it is. Yeah, and so let's talk about those little expectations and how uh, that kind of has 
maybe made even things harder for us as parents. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, especially for people like you and I who were insecure, possibly, I won't say it that you were, but I was definitely insecure. I was probably when I had my first baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was guessing, but I didn't want to assign that. But that insecurity. And so if, if you were like me, you devoured all the, the parenting mm-hmm. books because you just didn't know what to do. You didn't have an example. So you just, and so those parenting books were like a lifeline and I'm very grateful for them, but they're, and they didn't say it like, if you do this, then this will happen. They didn't say it, but the implication was there yeah. and many of us assumed it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it gets tricky of, you know, and plus you and me are also public figures to yeah. a certain extent. I mean, I don't see myself that way and I don't think you do either, but we are. And so there's also that added like baggage of, oh, <laughs> my kids doing those things and I'm yeah, okay. It makes it kind of even more weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, those expectations and hopes are good. I mean, in the sense of I hope and I, I hope, hope, hope that my kids fall in love with Jesus as adults. That is my absolute desire and prayer. But um, I also know that um, God has gifted even them with free will. I'm grateful he's granted me free will. I'm not so grateful he's granted them free will, but he has. And therefore I have to live with that. (laughs) Yes. So good. And hi, Abby. Abby said, hi. Oh, we think you're awesome too. All right, Mary. I'm telling you, this is definitely my top pick of the year for a book that has like impacted me so much. Love it. Again, the book is Love, Pray, and Listen, Parenting Your Wayward Adult Kids with Joy. I also think even if your kids are not wayward, read it. If you have a teenager, read it. If you have a young (laughs) adult child, read it. I think everybody can benefit from this book because it just reminds us how how God's love and our patience and love and gentleness and kindness and all those things can change things and can transform our families. Um, So Mary, for those who are wanting to know more about you and the book, where can they go and get more information? Yeah, they can go to marydemuth.com. And if they go to marydemuth.com slash LPL for Love, Pray, Listen, I have 52 fairly long weekly prayers you can pray for your kids and put their names in the blanks. And they don't have to be wayward for you to do that. And that's absolutely free. So you have a whole year of prayer for your kids. And that's marydemuth.com slash LPL. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here with me. And the dog is whining now. And the bird. <laughs> all the, the zoo at the, the Goyer home. I like leave my room and all of a sudden it's chaos, but that's okay. But thank you, Mary, for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com. And I can't wait until we connect again.